In the words of Living Color, only you can set you free. And this is the Fat Man Chronicles. is my buddy David, and we are, two, we are two middle-aged dads on a journey to conquer the Chicago Marathon. How you feeling? Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm feeling great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm okay. It's, uh, it's a good morning. I, yeah. I mean, a, a nice, uh, feels like three degrees when I walk the, <laughs> the kid to school today. I mean, I... I feel like if it was three degrees out by you, they would just cancel school. Well, we do not have school today, Pete, (laughs) because uh, there was a little flurries this morning. We started out with a um, two-hour delay, and I will say it was kind of wet on the roads yesterday and froze overnight, so probably was a little iffy driving this morning because we start, like the high school kids start school, uh, like they're at the bus stop at like six in the morning, so I saw the delay. Uh, but now it's a beautiful sunny day outside, and I just my Chicago mind will never compute that there's no school today. Well, I mean, you guys probably just don't have like salt trucks and stuff, right? Well, we do. Like, I mean, they they paint the roads. Do we have the infrastructure that like Boston has when they get two feet of snow and it's gone in a day and a half? We don't have that, like for sure. Yeah. But it's also a mindset here, like that snow in winter is much worse than it is. It's kind of like Texas in Maryland is how <laughs> we, in my opinion, and I get a, I get flack for this every day. You know, I've been in Maryland almost 20 years and I still don't get how they uh, handle winter. But I just told someone this morning, you can take the boy out of Chicago, but not Chicago out of the boy. So. <laughs> That's my day. No, so if you hear Braden kicking and screaming at the Xbox, he's home all day. Yeah, I'm sure he'd rather be out throwing or something. Yeah, well, we're going to lift today and throw tomorrow because it's more of a circle issue, just the ice in the circle. But it's going to be in the uh, 40s tomorrow, so we'll throw tomorrow. Beautiful. Yeah, we're going to get... So we this morning when I walked Michaela to school, it was 3. I don't think it was much warmer in central Illinois for the older kids. Um, and by Wednesday, it looks like it's going to be like 50 Yeah, for the day. But of course that means a lot of wind and rain mm-hmm. this time of year, typically. Right. Um, and then it'll get colder again, but hopefully, you know, it kind of stays somewhat warm because when you get that kind of weather and it freezes over, that is the dangerous one, right? right. Like it's just, it's tough to keep up with it. So I think. Um, I think this week for us, we're going to have a stay in the 60s, but uh, it's supposed to rain. And then maybe in the 30s or 40s, but opening day is always brutal, like in Chicago or Maryland. It's always like flurries and cold and rainy 
right? So you know it's coming, like in right. the middle of March. You know we're going to still have bad weather. But I'm just happy it's getting lighter out at the end of the day. Like this 5 o'clock and it's pitch black outside is brutal. Like it's not yeah. good for us mentally. I, I think we're getting, what, two and a half minutes of extra daylight a day now, which is oh. nice. Nice, yeah. That's uh, it goes pretty fast, right? Like to get to some decent daylight, but that I agree with you, man. It gets uh, it gets old fast. Yeah, <laughs> when it's uh, so dark. So Eddie, you know, this week we had a question that uh, from from uh, Penny mm-hmm. asking us about like food, like ways of eating that we've tried. Like she's not. I, I got what she was saying, right? Like, you know, the, the different types of popular um, uh, ways of eating that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to tackle that. We'll get back to the training talk next week and and start to, t- to tackle that a little bit more. Yeah, I did uh, have some good, uh, I don't know if I'd call it training, but I have like 10 miles of walking this week, which I was really beautiful. happy with. Like, it's nothing... You know, we had some nice days, so I just got out and walked. So that was just nice to do something and not have a, a couple of depressing alcohol-related <laughs> conversations. But I actually got out and walked, so that felt good this week. Yeah, and I'm a. I, I mean, I think that's fantastic. First, I want to say, I think we denigrate m- movement too often as a society because of the circles that we kind of have either been in or like the friends that we have online or like what we follow Mm -hmm. sometimes it like you know it doesn't seem like walking is good enough but that's a lie walking is great it's fantastic more walking more time on your feet those are good things oh 100 so uh love that you're you're out there doing it plus it starts to build the base even walking you know when you're going from couch more or less right to uh marathon in the next eight months uh it takes all kinds of base building oh 100 percent. it's just time on your feet and like for me at my weight you know just like if i in the bake shop for eight hours a day my back is killing me i don't do that every day but eight hours of standing throws my back in an uproar so just that time on my feet and getting my my back used to it my legs used to it is is probably the most it, right now it's more important and who are we kidding there's going to be walking involved in the marathon or any races that we do so time on sure. your feet is key yeah and, and the other piece of that too is it, it, we don't talk enough about mental base building and you need to change your mindset it doesn't happen overnight but when you're more active it stimulates your mind in a different way and it makes you want to do more. A hundred percent. So it's a, it's a self kind of perpetuating uh, activity, if you will. When you start, it's harder to stop. Look, when you're sitting, it's harder hard to get up. When you're moving, it's harder to sit down, right? It, yeah. When a body is at rest, it tends to stay at rest. And when a body's in motion, it tends to stay in motion. The hardest so, step literally is the first one. My biggest mental bat, bat, battle, not value, battle, is always getting out the door, right? There's that game I play in my mind. I don't want to do this. I have to do this. I don't want to do this. But once you get those shoes, you get your shoes on, 
and you tie them and you can get out that door, the first, once you make that first step, it's awesome. So Dave, I would have taken you as a, a, a leave the shoes tied kind of guy. I'm surprised <laughs> that we're untying and tying the shoe. Well, you know, only in my hokas. I, okay. I run in hokas, but like my everyday running shoes, I probably, I tie those once and I don't tie them again or untie See? them again. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I, I, I thought that would be the case. I think that uh, that goes for a lot of us. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Speaking of shoes, I know we'll get to the food stuff here in a second. Uh, um, I know what everybody loves is when runners talk about shoes. Mm-hmm. And, but I had to go shoe shopping. Like I'm. I was just at that point where I'm kind of coming up on needing new shoes. I didn't want to get behind. I wanted that to be ready. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was like getting fitted properly, right? Right. So I went to the running store, Naperville Running Company. So I prefer to go to a local kind of small chain, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think they've got three shops. It's... Um, we spent a good hour plus uh, in that shoe store together. Uh, I think his, I think the gentleman's name was Mike. He was real nice, a uh, little bit older guy. Uh, you know, probably more like our age, maybe maybe a couple of years older. Mm-hmm. But he was retired and, and was doing that for kind of just to get out of the house. And, and he's a runner, uh, a little bit bigger of a guy too. Not as big as as we are, but bigger. And um, it was a really good experience. And I have always wanted to run in hokas. I don't know why. Like, it's just one of those things. You hear about them. You've been hearing about them. They just don't fit me, right? So, but I tried another one on, didn't fit. Tried everything. I ended up with a pair of ultras. Really? For the first time. So ultras are different because they're neutral drops. So they're, they don't Mm -hmm. have like a heel, if you will. So they're shaped. Much more like a foot, so big, wide toe box, which is huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to feel too snug. And I actually went up another half size with these because that's just what felt good. It's also what they had, uh, but it did feel good. Uh, but I, I may try a second type of Ultras. They only carry the one neutral shoe. The other one's a stability model, right. which I don't, I don't need. So I may end up ordering a pair online too of a different style of ultras to try because I like to have two, at least two pairs to rotate in. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I remember the, correctly, ultras their sizing is weird. Like it's not like their eight and a half is not like an every other running shoes eight and a half. So ultras really that shoe you get you have to try on, and it's not with no size in mind. Yeah, I, I think in this case, I think you're right. It may run a half size smaller just because of the way it conforms to your foot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, so like I typically wear a nine and I uh, I went with a nine and a half here. But the other thing to keep in mind is you want them to fit correctly and these fit correctly. Like they didn't slip. They felt great. I'm not running a, a neutral drop shoe, so I'm sure it's going to tax some some muscles you know some calves and thighs and uh glutes there hamstrings everything um it'll take some getting used to but uh you got to remember when you're when you're sizing a half size is only like a pencil eraser 
yep. you know, indifference. It's it's minuscule. So you just want to fit it properly. Um, and what I found interesting is when I did, a, like they did a 3D kind of foot, you know, analysis thing. And my right foot is like a full size smaller. Interesting. Uh, but it's wider and like kind of thicker, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's like a caveman foot, basically, yeah. <laughs> is what I'm saying. It's like Fred Flintstone, basically, yeah. on my on my right side. Uh, but it was, you know, to find shoes don't come in two different sizes, right? In in one box. So it's either have to buy two different pairs of shoes. Right. Or you have to just kind of find what fits good mm-hmm. enough. And that's what we did. But I, I'm excited to get out there uh, in those more often. And then see kind of where it takes me, but switching back and forth between the neutral drop and then something with you know a five or yeah. six or seven mil millimeter uh, drop is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think um, I ran in those once, and um, the the zero drop didn't bother me. You go through some some calf issues, but that only lasts a little while, and it's not like you're going to go bust out a twelve mile run right off the bat. So. I don't. I don't know if you'll have as many of those zero drop conversion issues. Yeah. But uh, I just thought they were. It was weird for me looking. They look like duck shoes to me, or clown shoes because the toe boxes. Yeah. So it's just weird. But I, I've been in uh, Hoka Bondi's. Uh, they're well. They're on the seven now, and I don't remember the last time I didn't wear a Hoka Bondi shoe because of the width. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's different, right? That's why getting fitted is so darn important. And mm-hmm. you know, I was I wanted to try ultras going in because you know my buddy Rob Bozovich, good friend of the show, uh, good friend to me, he is an ultra guy, and I've seen just how well they've worked for him. So I was interested in them. Um, so I was excited to be able to get to try them because they didn't really carry them in store around here, right? You know, for a long, long time. So at least now they had a couple of models uh, in there. But yeah, anyway, I think they're talk probably. They're great shoes. <laughs> I just like the the Hoka's for the width and the cushioning, especially at my weight. I just yeah. You try them on once, and then uh, there's no. To me, there's no. If they work, they work. There's why play around. Absolutely. I mean, I love that the, each model has been able to work for you. Sometimes when they switch those versions, it can. It can throw off what works. Yeah. I wanted to fit in them because they feel great. And I can tell you, for me, what happens is, I don't know if my ankle bones are just positioned in a in a strange way. And the way it hits the side mm-hmm. uh, of the Hoka hurts. So I, I took two steps in the latest model, uh, two models that we tried, and that I, I couldn't use them. Yeah. Uh, and it's too bad because they feel like if I could take that out of the equation, mm-hmm. they feel fantastic. So it's like walking in a cloud. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, awesome. All right. So we're going to circle a little bit around to food. And I'm going to bring up um, the book that we talked about last time too, uh, This Naked Mind, that had to do with alcohol. Because I've read quite a bit of it. Uh and I'm going to withhold my full judgment uh, of it uh-huh. until I finish it. Okay. Um, definitely is a difficult read for me. I, I actually had to start over at one point because I needed to clear my mind and give it a fair, a little bit more fair shot, I thought. Um, 
And that kind of relates, you know, Gretchen and I did not do a one word episode this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've even mentioned it on air, but my, my word for this year is study. So when I find myself reading something with an opinion, I try to take a break from it, recenter myself, and then read it with more openness and study the subject versus and, and try to learn and soak in versus forming an opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that that's been a big problem of mine since I was probably, oh, I don't know, two, that I'm <laughs> super opinionated. Yeah. And I want everybody to know what my opinion is. And right. it's, it makes for a really crappy conversation with me. And I've been working on it for, you know, better part of 50 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but I'm getting better at it. So I, I kind of took a time out when like, when, when I was doing that, um, but there's, but I have discussed it with the person who recommended it mm-hmm. a little bit and, and kind of was talking with her about some of my issues. The, the important part for me, and this is what I'm going to take away. And then I want to hear if, if you've started it. The important part for me was I took away from this book so far before I finish it is looking at things through a conscious mind and recognizing the parts, how the unconscious mind is influencing my decisions mm-hmm. and what I'm doing, my actions. That to me is invaluable. Yes. And I've related that a lot to food. So anyway, have you started that book? Have you looked at it? I will be honest to say that, and I ordered it right away when we talked and I got the companion book with it and it sat in my car for four days. The only thing I managed to do was take a picture of it and send it to you. And then you asked me if I had read it and I, I had not. So what I did was, and I'm a terrible reader. It takes me forever to read. So I got the audio book and I listened to the audio book as I, as I follow along in the book. So I'm in like a hundred pages through. And initially I was like, this is more the same. It's where she's talking about where I don't think I am. And then as I got into the book, it was like, this is exactly where I am. And I definitely feel like there are some points that I think are like not where I'm at. And a lot of it is where I am. And, a, and it is much more about just alcohol and can be related to food and the subconscious. One of the things that really struck out to me in the book was um, not the addiction part, but the habit part. And, right. that, and that between the, the unconscious habit and influences and um, excuse making is the same for my drinking and eating. And so what I'm taking out of this book is that part of it, right? So I, I like how she, she talks about the addiction, but there's a road until that point when we both talked about like the guy on the street corner drinking out of a paper bag, that there's a long journey to get there and talking about 
like um, the signs and symptoms before you get there, which I kind of like. So could I, I'm not ruining, I have a great relationship with my wife. I have a great relationship with my job. I have a great relationship with my kid. So that part of alcohol is not there, but that habit subconscious is definitely there. Yeah. Which I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you finish. I was just going to say, that's what I'm taking out of the, the book is like, it's not an addiction. Alcohol is addictive. I don't, and Regardless of whether I classify myself as an alcoholic or addicted, the habit and excuses that I make to drink in my on my couch and the effects that it will have long term on my health and my nutrition and where who I see myself am is something I need to confront. Right. Is that habit excuse. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think this is interesting because I'm I'm looking forward to getting in the discussion of like the different types of ways of eating we've tried. But what this book brought to mind and kind of goes with what you're saying, it's my my and my problem. Let me let me try to phrase this right. My issues with the book are that she speaks in absolutes. Mm -hmm. This is versus this can be. And I get why, but I feel like um, sometimes it's, I felt attacked. Okay. Right. I've sold alcohol for a living for a long time. And when you tell me like wine doesn't um, change uh, the properties of food and, and like they, they you don't really pair and it's been proven that you like this doesn't work and with a milk and cookie it's different because like yeah, yeah. <laughs> dunk, dunk the cookie in the milk and it does change the properties but when you take a bite of steak you don't put wine right in your mouth with it oh actually that's exactly what we do right as as wine professionals that's you're you're wrong so like for that you're flat out wrong and stop speaking at me in absolutes and telling me that everything i've done with my adult life is bs right like but I felt attacked, right? So I had to stop there and I had to take a step back and say, okay, let me look at it from her perspective and where she's coming from. And I was able to literally start the book over Mm -hmm. and, and, and read it with more open mind. I still, I I still disagree after the second reading, but it's less visceral, right? Mm -hmm. I still do feel like, um, some of the things that are being said in the book about how harmful alcohol is are truths that are just difficult for us to accept because societally we've accepted alcohol as legal and, and part of life, right? Mm-hmm. That part is really an interesting take. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last part that I took away from it, and then, uh, so I guess I didn't reserve my, my review, <laughs> but that's okay. I'll give you the full review once I finished Um, where I related it is it's not absolutes in terms. So although she speaks in absolutes about alcohol, what she believes the valid studies are um, and kind of like her take on it where she's not in absolutes is that if you use alcohol, you're addicted to it and which was good. 
mm-hmm. and really good because what I took away from it is gradients and that I relate again to food. It's not that um, I'm drinking to the point where I have these issues that are, you know, like I'm saying things that people are whispering behind my back. Although I'm sure at one point in my life I was. It's not that way now, right? Mm-hmm. It's more, I don't have a problem with my marriage or with my kids or with my, you know, what I'm doing day to day. But could they be better if I wasn't drinking Yes. Uh, consistently, right? And I took that into this weekend and I made, I went to a dinner where it was all wine professionals, mm-hmm. right? Like I, it's a, it's a table full of people who have either wine's part of their life day to day, or they're making a living from it. And I went in not knowing if I was going to have any, I literally, and to me, that was a victory. Now I did end up having a couple of uh, glasses of wine, probably two glasses over the course of the three and a half hours we were there. Uh, but that's way less than I would have had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made the decision consciously to do it. I didn't just take the glass and automatically start pouring. I thought about it, thought about what I wanted to get out of it. Um, and I went where I struggled still more was food. Right. That's, I- that's where I was unconsciously. Right. And I think that's why this book will be successful for me. I think she needed to talk about her level of drinking, the effects of it. Maybe we drink on the same level. The effects of it are different. So she's writing the book and she uses the word poison all the time. She's drinking the she was drinking the poison. I am coming out of this book much more the my the thought process of the drinking is different. I didn't drink this week and it was very easy for me not to drink this week, right? It's breaking the habit, right? My eating, I need to break the habit and reestablish a new habit. So that's what I like about the book is sh- it's getting me to think about what I'm doing and the why and reminding me of everything that's being thrown. Like we're watching the Super Bowl yesterday. All the commercial, I look at commercials differently or, you know, big pharmacy and everywhere you look, there's a, there's an ad for a different medicine is recognizing those outside influences and taking a bigger picture looking in at myself of my whys right yeah which and that's what i've got out of this book so far which will go right back into food as well yeah absolutely and i think that that's a good transition point because there is a lot that can a lot of the same the the difference being that you don't have to drink alcohol. You have to eat. Yes. That's that's always the difference, right? So Penny had asked specifically, like, what ways of eating have you tried? Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily like diet, like the grapefruit diet or whatever, like from back in the 70s. But like, what ways of eating have you tried? And I'm going to let you kick us off here, Dave, because I think your journey's been an interesting one, right? Coming from the restaurant industry, yeah. the firehouse, you know. Yeah, in my... 
I will say that coming from the restaurant industry, starting at my first uh, cooking job was uh, Irving's Hot Dogs and uh, J.B. Winberry's just off the campus at Northwestern in downtown Evanston were my first two cooking jobs. And you've been involved in the restaurant business long enough to know that we have terrible eating habits, right? You work all day, you work 16, 18 hours a day, and you never, you're constantly influenced by food. So I never, um, from 18, 14, 15 to uh, 34, when I got out of the cooking business, you never sat down to eat. You never ate three square meals a day. You shove your food down or eat standing over a garbage can. You nitpick, and then your big meal of the day is at like 2 o'clock in the morning when you get off of work and you go to sleep. So I've never established good foundational eating habits. I'm a food snob because I worked in super high-end restaurants, Charlie Trotter's, Trevinia. Um, I staged at the French Laundry. Uh, commander's palace so i'm a food snob with bad eating habits and um do i know a lot about food i totally forgot your question that you just asked me as i'm rambling but um i've never really established good eating habits and my most um i haven't tried a lot of different diets i've been on like weight watchers before i've done nutrisystem before um I've counted macros before, which never really worked for me. Um, when I was in the fire academy and I had to lose weight, um, I got home-delivered meals. I had a 1,600-calorie-a-day diet, so I lost a ton of weight for that. And then as soon as I stopped that, I gained all that weight back. Um, and I've been plant-based, which was um, a lot of success for me being plant-based. But um, I've never done – and I've done a vegan – keto which i thought was quite interesting i did that for a month i just wanted to see if it could work but uh, other than that in my 50- so what are you what are you eating with vegan keto like how does that work um you're just eating a lot of fats you know like avocados olive oil all that kind of stuff so like every meal i'd eat um, nuts and avocados and olive oils and all that to me i had this little pen that you like a little ketone monitor and you would blow into that and then there's a corresponding app with it and would tell you if you're in ketosis so did i feel good yes was it more of a game of blowing into this thing to see how long i can keep you know a four five six saying that i was in um ketosis i thought was really cool but uh, it was not a long-term thing for me did you stop it because it wasn't working. It was a pain in the butt. You just didn't like it. Like what, what stopped it? it I lost weight on it, but it kind of lost its novelty. Like the hard part for me is it was, I don't like restricting what I can eat. Right. I don't mind being plant-based, um, which is interesting because it's much easier to just give up like turkey, chicken, or meat for me than to give up. Like, I don't see fruit as a devil. I'm not giving up fruit or pasta or grains or carbs. Like, I think we've lost our way of eating. So I would much rather, it's easier for me in my own mind to give up a hamburger than it is to give up like pasta, fruit, and different grains and stuff. 
Why? Uh, I just don't see that fruit is dangerous for me. Or fruit. So you see meat as dangerous? Uh, in some way, the way we eat meat now, there are a lot of effects, right? Like, if you if we went back 40 years ago and we ate the way I ate with my family growing up and there was a salad at every meal and meat was a part, of your plate, not necessarily the whole plate. There's none. I would much rather you buy meat from the local farmer or local, or on a smaller scale than when you walk into Costco and you buy, you know, 40 pounds of meat at a time and that's the main part of your meal. So, well, I mean, for the most part, most of us don't have local farms, right? I mean, that's part of the problem. Right? right. We don't have local sources anymore. But couldn't you just do that? I mean, couldn't you just have a salad at every meal and have less meat? If, I guess I'm still, I'm just confused as to why. Like, what the what the issue is. Like, is it ethical? Is I, it health? I think why what my... And I don't have any problem with people eating meat. For me personally, I would like to be plant-based because of some of it is ethical, right? Which is why, um, for me, I don't like the term vegan because I think that's more of a political statement than a way that I see myself as an eater. That's why I like plant-based. I think vegan is more, much more... Um, ethical reasons of why you choose to eat that way there is some parts of me that i don't understand why i see my dog as a family member and why that's any different than a pig or a cow or a chicken that's just me um a lot of it is for health reasons right um a lower a plant-based diet health-wise in my mind is cardiovascularly better for you. And so that's a part of it. And I just think in my own little mind that it's it making a difference in the big picture of the environment. So you call yourself plant-based, but in practice, are you closer to vegan day-to-day eating? Right now, I'm not close to anything that I, right, <laughs> how I see myself and what I want to be as an eater, I am totally nowhere near that, right? So part of this journey is getting back to that point. I was very successful plant-based for two years. Then I kind of lost my way. Then I was very successful a second time and lost my way. And then, to me, plant-based is a diet based in plants. It doesn't have to be 100%, right? Maybe it's 95%. I just eat very little meat now as it is. I would like to not eat any meat, but right now I don't weigh 300 pounds because I have a diet that rocks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I was trying. I mean, I mean, it's not... I'm just trying to like get a context around out of curiosity, right? Like, 
I'm sure that my tone sounds combative. It's it's not. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I don't think it's, it that way. It's, it's curious, right? Like I'm curious because it's actually kind of similar to a, a problem that I've had with um, that 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 um, book. I hear you saying like I don't want to restrict certain foods, but then you're restricting certain foods, you know, and, and right. you're taking away. I mean, we're it. We can pretend like we're not naturally omnivores, or we can look at certain areas of the earth that aren't mm-hmm. omnivores, but they're rare for the most part. The human race is omnivores. As a matter of fact, I would argue the human race is scavengers. Well, because until recently, the last 50 to 100 years, really the last 50 years, 60 years, food was scarce mm-hmm. and it was a big deal to get a meal. And if you were poor, it was a really, really big deal, right? Uh, pre-industrial revolution, food was a big, mm-hmm. it was big, right? And now we have an abundance of food. And I would argue that since we're scavengers, we just tend to take whatever's in front of us and, and eat it. And that's why we're bigger, right? We can all look for the big evil one thing. For some people, it's meat. For some people, it's high fructose corn syrup. Um, you know, some people, it's processed sugars. But, but I don't think that it's any of that stuff over time, right? I think what mm-hmm. so when I hear... I just heard you say, you know, like, so I was just trying to understand, like, where the restriction on meat over restriction on vegetables, right? But what I am hearing, like, where I didn't hear you say is, I think we should eat more Twinkies. Right. I, I right. Think, right. I, the processed food and our lifestyles. When I grew up in West Rogers Park, if we wanted fish, I went to the fishmonger. If I wanted meat, my, not meat, but if my family needed meat, I walked two blocks to Boss Camp Butchers, and I got meat. If we wanted produce, we went to the produce market, right? Now we go to these big box stores, and everything's processed because we have to, you know, everything's in a hurry, hurry, hurry. I think um, there. I remember a statistic, and I, I, I don't remember where it's from or the year, but there used to be one farm in this country per nine people. Right. And then it got to one farm for 19 people and one farm for 60 people. And now I think it's um, like six or 10 major agricultural corporation farms for 90 percent of the population. So we just kind of lost our way in eating. Does that make am, am I making sense? Like we don't sit down like. Do you guys eat dinner as a family anymore? Like sit down at a table and eat dinner? All right. Well, we had a technical glitch, which is going to happen. In this case, I don't know whose glitch it was, mine or David's or Riverside, the people we're using. I'm going to go with me, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is, is we're back. And where we left off is you were asking, you had kind of talked about farms, and then you would ask if we eat dinner together as a family. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is sort of. Uh, we don't just sit down at a table and eat together. We, we literally just eat in front of the television. Right. 
We do eat at the same time. So we've got that going for us. Uh, when the older kids are here, we do tend to sit down at the table together. Do you think that's because they're not there every day? I do. I think that they're, it's because they're not here every day and they're forced to eat at the same time as us. At I would guess at home, they rarely eat at the same time. Mm-hmm. We never have never sat down as a family like we did as a kid when I was a kid and had a structured dinner with the family every day. We don't do that. I eat in front of the couch. Farika eats in front of the couch. And Braden eats while he's saving the world from whatever video game he's playing. <laughs> because usually we're – Braden and I are usually out somewhere – five nights a week or four nights a week. So we just don't have that structured time. And Farika will usually eat while Braden and I are at a sporting event a lot of the time. And I think what we were talking about, and I was on a roll, so I don't really remember my tangent, was that we kind of lost our way with food, not necessarily, I think diets have gone crazy. And um, we just don't eat the way we used to eat as a population. And I've I've never really done anything crazy like carnivore or, um, to me, paleo is how we used to eat, right? There were no processed foods, a little bit of meat, some vegetables, and um, newer version of paleo is grains and rice. And that's how we always ate as a kid. Yeah, right. I, yeah. So I think that it's interesting because I think that there are a lot of a lot of these ways of eating that I've either tried at some point uh, or thought about, and you know, for the longest time I was an SNG, no sugar, no grain, mm-hmm. and what that meant really is no processed sugar, no processed grain. Uh, although the strictest of them uh, adherents would not even have fruit like uh, sugary fruit, so they would they'd have berries, right? Because berries don't have a lot of sugar to them, blueberries mm-hmm. and raspberries and such. But they wouldn't have, uh, say, a banana or an apple because too much, you know, natural sugars. We were very strict at the very beginning for, you know, a few weeks, maybe a month. But mm-hmm. then we, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the, I'm not sure anybody really got fat from eating a banana. Right. They might and- have gotten fat from eating a hundred bananas. Right. But not from eating a banana. Right. And that's kind of what we were talking about. And I don't know if this is on the part that we lost. And you asked me about um, why is it different for me that I... I don't want to restrict myself eating, but I don't I don't eat as much meat, but I think it's crazy to cut out fruit. And I, I, I don't get, of course, there's all different kinds of sugar, fructose, sucrose, glucose, blah, blah, blah. I don't see eating a strawberry is the same as eating a piece of cake, right? And I think that when we talk about we've kind of lo- – 
in a way we lost our way. If you just look at nature, like fruit is, fruit and vegetables are easy to get. So we should be eating that, right? Meat's a little bit harder to get, so you shouldn't eat as much, but you can eat meat, right? Like if plant-based people may not understand that I don't really have a problem with eating meat. I just think it's the portions of what we eat. And you know what? Brayden eats fruit and I eat fruit, a a ton of fruit. Of course, it's winter, so it's not as easily available or the quality is good. But my weight loss doesn't come or my weight problem doesn't come from I eat too much fruit. It's because I eat too much crap and I drink too much. Yeah, and I I think that that's interesting, right? Because part of what I've been thinking about, and I I mean, I've tried, I don't know, name it, and I think I've tried it. I Uh mean, I tried it all the way, and I, you know, I've talked about this in earlier episodes with Gretchen. I've tried all the way, you know, years ago, I did a doctor supervised liquid diet where it was 500 calories of of liquid a day, and that was that. And I, I think where I've gotten to in this journey, I've got a few things that I'm thinking about today and what to do and how to do it that I didn't think about in the past in the same way. I may have given lip service to some, but it definitely is different. One, there is no destination here. And that's the biggest thing that I've got right now. And I liken it to a little bit of what's said in this naked mind, bringing it, you know, that back into it. But my part of my problem has been I want to lose X amount of pounds. Well, if you if you say that, you could do it, and then you hit that, and then what? It's not losing the weight that's a problem. It's maintaining the weight loss that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's when we start to say, okay, I know this has been working, but I really love eating a gallon of ice cream every night, and I you know go back to eating the gallon of ice cream while you're eating all the rest of the other stuff that you've been eating. That's the problem to me much more. Mm -hmm. And it's less about for me today, defining how I am, how I eat, you know, uh, I don't care if somebody needs to, if, if somebody needs to be keto, they need to be vegan, plant-based, NSNG, paleo, uh, carnivore, whatever, Whatever works for you, I I have a real hard time telling you why it doesn't. I think that if you need that definition, go for it. Where I have the real problem is when that diet choice that you've made becomes a religion <laughs> and you decide you need to preach at me. Yes. That's, that's where I don't like it. If you want to be a vegan, fine. But I really don't need to hear from you the 8,000 reasons why you think I should be a vegan or my kids should be a vegan mm-hmm. or the opposite is true. I'm sure. And I know for a fact you get why Braden shouldn't be uh, a vegan. Right? Uh-huh. Where, where's the, where's the protein come yeah. from and, and stuff like, and, and that's, I, how about this? How about we worry about ourselves and how we're going to eat and what we're going to eat and and the choices we're going to make and then you let other people kind of worry about their choices. Right. The it, fact that that I, one thing and then I'm gonna, and then I definitely want to hear from you. The fact that we have a diet culture is a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm unhealthy, therefore I need help, therefore there needs to be diet books and diet 
diet people. And then I need to make sure that I'm listening to everything I can. And look, I've lived this. I, I, I am this person, right? There's a, I, and I get the irony that we're on a podcast talking about it right now. But if, if we're going to constantly have to be inundated with diet messages and telling us how unhealthy we are and why this solution is the solution, um, I don't know how we break the cycle. So each person then individually has to take it on themselves. And I want to get into talking about intuitive eating here, but I want to hear from what you had to say first. Mm-hmm. I And I, I think the whole key of what you just said was the diet culture. What I get the most about Braden, and I had nothing to do. I took Braden to a movie because I, at the time, was plant-based, and I wanted Braden to understand because everything, Braden is a huge athlete. It's how he sees himself that I wanted him to see that there's another way he can be successful at being an athlete and it doesn't have to be eating 300 grams of protein every day. I just wanted him to experience something else that a lot of the people he was, he had seen is everything is meat, chicken, no vegetables, no fruit. It was all bad. Right. That's just what he had seen in that culture that he was around. So I wanted to expose him to something else. Brain on his own, I don't know why, changed how he was going to eat and went plant-based the next day. And almost two and a half years later, he still eats that way. What the biggest flack that I get about Braden is that Braden is prepubescent and he's missing out on nutrition, protein, that he should be getting at his age and for what he does. But no one ever talks about the fact that Braden is celiac. And one of the biggest things that of side effects that Braden can have as a celiac is nutrient absorption, vitamins and minerals from the food he eats, whether he's plant-based, keto, vegan, it doesn't matter. So, Braden was born with a disease that one of the problems of his disease is is food absorption and the nutrients getting from food, but no one ever talks about that or what do we do for that. It's that diet culture of how do, where does Braden get his protein from because he doesn't eat meat. So, that, that's the, uh, the biggest thing that I get um, with Braden. And for me, the food problem itself, I weight loss is not anything to do with this journey that I'm going on. It's all about habits now. I need to make better lifestyle choices and reverse my poor habits and change them into better habits leading into the future so that when I'm 60, 70, and 80, I'm... I'm in a better place versus I need to lose a hundred pounds because I've lost almost a hundred pounds. And every time that I've lost weight through all these different diets, I always end up in the end gaining that weight back because I've never changed the habit that caused that weight gain. 
Yeah, I think you're hitting on exactly what I'm saying there. Uh, I think we're on the same page because mm -hmm. the easy part is losing weight. You can pick any diet, calories in, calories out, Weight Watchers, prepared foods like Jenny Craig or Nutrisystem, vegan, uh, keto. I, I don't, I'm not going to name them all. All of them work. If work is defined as you lose weight, that's the problem. The diet culture tells you something works if it helps you lose weight. And then everybody else has it wrong because you don't keep the weight off. But if you do mine, you're mm -hmm. going to keep the weight off, right? Nobody says if you do all of them the same way, which means that you get on it, you stay on it, you make small adjustments within their framework that you'll either continue to lose the weight or you'll you'll maintain your weight, right? Mm -hmm. I will argue all day long maintaining is much harder than losing because there's a million ways to lose. Maintaining is then all about your habits or willpower. Willpower is a muscle in a way right. and and you will fail if it's willpower, but if you are uh if you've made it habits, you you'll do it. And I I liken that to somebody who has taken let's just say you've decided it's going to be calorie restriction, right? So you're just going to eat less calories. Within less calories, you say, I'm going to eat um, uh, no desserts because there's just so many calories in a pint of ice cream, right? So you're going to give that up. And instead, you're going to grab uh, some sugar-free, zero-calorie Jello. And you buy that six-pack of Jello, and then you, you grab that six-pack out of the fridge, and you walk over and you sit down with it in a spoon, and you eat all six. You haven't changed the habit. Right. You've only changed what you're ingesting. Tomorrow, you're going to decide, you know, I do want that ice cream. So now you're going to take that ice cream out of the fridge, that half gallon, and you're going to walk over to the couch and you're going to sit down and you're going to eat it. And part of that is the volume of it is not much different or a pint. I guess I should say not half gallon. You're going to grab the pint because the volume is like, that's nothing. You've been eating way more in terms of volume. But you never change the habit mm -hmm. that you sit down and you just ingest, right? In other words, it's not always the food choices. It's the volume choices that you're making that I think are a big part of this. Right. And it kind of, for me, flows into in, you know this, this trend of intuitive eating, which you know I've read a lot about over the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't fully understand it, I will admit. Um, even though it, you would think it sh you should because it just says intuitive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen way more females embrace this than males, uh, at least in my circle, right? I, I know there's men out there doing it. I just haven't come across them yet. And uh, and what I love about what I see from females who have kind of taken this on, especially the females, because I've not seen many men, uh, they seem to really love it because it kind of takes the guilt away for them in terms of what they're eating. They start to look at themselves in the mirror in a different way. There's a much, this intuitive eating is much more about positivity. Mm -hmm. And all it basically is saying is don't demonize food, embrace yourself. So it's like a very inclusive kind of movement. It's a lot of really nice words. I don't get how it helps 
right? Like in terms of me, and this may be the male, female brain, or, you know, like it says that we're, we think a little differently, right? Um, I don't get like how it works. And then I started thinking about it differently in that, well, maybe the outcome isn't anything except you just don't feel like crap when you're trying to make a decision on what to eat. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just takes away the guilt and the shame and the, and the, I should be's and maybe that's it. And if that's it, well then I just call that eating. Like we just got away from that. That, that to me isn't intuitive eating is in other words, just eating. It's just right. that way. And how this fits into me, Dave, is I, I, I don't think I'm going to define myself anymore about how I eat, but I do know this. When I was eating NSNG, in other words, I was eating um, a lot of vegetables, some uh, meat, fats, like olive oil especially, um, some fruit, but I wasn't eating cake and ice cream and donuts and um, I wasn't having sandwiches, you know, I just felt better. I felt the best I've ever felt in my life. When I decided to start introducing those things back in, because what's a little bit going to do, I don't have the mechanism. This again relates back to the alcohol piece, right? I don't have the mechanism in my brain that says, okay, stop. I, I get to the point where I get anxious and I talked about this in the past too on the show, I actually get to the point where if I don't have something like a piece of candy or a a piece of cake or something like I, I'm so agitated. I can't sleep. Right. That went away when I just stopped. Like I kind of got through that initial piece. And then when I just stopped, I was fine. When I started reintroducing it, my problem became volume control. I just, it's not the fact that I ate it. It's the fact that I ate it and I ate it again and I ate it again. So I know with intuitive eating, you know, they say one bad meal, one bad day doesn't, you know, doesn't make you unhealthy. I, that's where I dif- that's where I disagree. I do believe that some of us, much like some alcoholics can't have a single drink or else they go down a rabbit hole, a, a very bad one. I'm that way with these types of processed foods, mm-hmm. right? They are triggers for me to just eat copious amounts. And what happens there is even when I try to eat healthy again, quote unquote, I'm air quoting healthy, the things that make me feel good, I just eat copious amounts of them. And that's what I'm trying to break. To your point of habits, I want my habit to be, regardless of how many times a day I eat, I don't eat to the point where I'm sick and the other piece is when I was doing an SNG, what I learned to do was embrace hunger as a natural state and hunger does not equal starvation. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, that's hard to separate, right? Our base mind, like talking paleo, right? Our old scarcity mind says, hey, you're hungry. There's food. You better eat and you better eat as much as you can and as much as is in front of you because you don't know when you're going to eat again. That's not true anymore. Our instincts are wrong in that case. Right? Mm-hmm. It, so it, it's going to get off my soapbox for you. It's been a long time, like generations, since we've been in that point where um, if we're hungry, we're going to starve, right? For me, the biggest issue 
is, and it goes back to, if we look at the subconscious of all the influences coming at us, is when I was trying to be, define myself as plant-based, if I veered off that for even one meal, you're then a failure, right? So I failed. So I failed at once. I might as well just stop doing it. So part of me is if I take a bite of something or I eat something that isn't plant-based, I'm not a failure. And that's the hardest thing that I have to learn because failure to me is once the first time I ever quit anything was a marathon. It was the first time I quit something and it was never easy to quit anything until that first time that I quit, and now it's really easy to quit something. So if every time that I restarted how I defined how I was going to eat and I failed that, eh, F it. Now I'm, you know, I'm just going to go back to eating bags of chips at night. And, and now, like, if you ask me, I'll say that the Food Network ruined food for this nation and Guy Fieri ruined food because everything has to be like a trip in, a triple bacon cheeseburger with, you know, all, all the drippings and everything's got to be covered in cheese. And I, I think that is how the book talks about the subconscious with alcohol. That's the subconscious with food. Like there's now um, a word called Cheegan. Right. So it's a vegan diet, but you put the cheat part of it. it's built into the to the way you eat. So you're a cheegan now. Right. Like you're we now build in excuses for us to have something else. Yeah. I mean, with keto, I think they call it like dirty, dirty keto. Yeah. Right? Look, that's, I guess, my point. If you wanted to find what you're doing, great. I'm not going to define myself. Therefore, I take out the failure. Mm-hmm. I know I can hear it now. You're also building in excuses. Absolutely right. That I can't. That can be an unintended consequence here. I need to lose weight because uh, I have some health issues that I think would be help help by losing weight. However, that's an outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not that should not be the goal. The goal should be I want to be healthy. Right. While I got there, while I was working on these health issues, I happened to lose weight. That was just one of the, the outcomes. I also got healthy. Right. But if I lose weight, right, if I'm 50 pounds lighter, yet I still maintain I'm still a diabetic and I'm uh, and I'm still have uh you know, fatty liver and, and these other issues are still there, but I've lost weight. What good is that? Right. The, the weight isn't the problem. It's the health issues associated with it. If you're overweight and you have zero health issues, I, I mean, wh- why lose weight? Like, where's the incentive there? Then it's other things, right? Like, I, I want to look better in my mind, right? I want to feel better. It, it all kind of gets wrapped up into this diet culture, Right. And and where you know, we've got a we've got to look at specific people and they're the ones that I aspire to be, right? Like 
one of the I, I I never got on TikTok, and one of the reasons is I just picture it as just a bunch of pretty people, uh, you know, dancing around, showing other pretty people what they look like, like, and by that I just I mean mostly, you know, you're to get a view, you know, you're thin, you're right. shapely, you know, whatever, but in the end it doesn't really promote a healthy lifestyle, right? Like I don't, and and I feel like. Social media, again, only makes all this stuff worse because you're only seeing people's best lives. You're only seeing them on their best days. Right. Uh, well, there's a uh, there's a, a male fitness social influencer who he promotes all the different shakes that he takes every day, right? Greens, reds, purples, all the stuff. He and lives it, in the Matrix. He lives in the Matrix, but it—it's like three hundred and forty dollars worth of supplements that he takes monthly. It's not who I couldn't do that at all. Like you see, Athletic Greens all the time on social media. Everyone takes Athletic Greens. Who's got an extra hundred dollars a month, right? It's not—it's not that whole social media thing is not TikTok, Instagram. The influence are are not there's something they somewhere it just came out of a huge percentage of fitness influencers on the male side are all on steroids. It's painting a picture that's not realistic. And I and and for you, you're talking about weight loss and health. I think health is a great motivator for you to make the initial steps. And I have it. I like you and very opinionated and a friend of mine just posted today um, she's had an incredible journey through uh, low carb keto she lost a ton of a ton of weight which I don't think was the initial um, motivator maybe it was I don't know but she talked about all the the lower amount of meds that she's taking how much better she feels uh, how her um, type two diabetes has changed, and I think initially, in my own opinion, maybe it was the health that it was the motivator, not the weight. And do I care that she did it low carb keto? No, because she made she feels good about herself, and she accomplished what she wanted to accomplish, and that was the road that she took. It doesn't matter. To me, that um, she was keto or whatever, you know, yeah. power to her for making taking control of her life and her way, and accomplishing what she wanted to do. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I think who is it the that says uh, eat real foods. Mostly vegetables, you know, not too much, mm-hmm. right? Like that's in a nutshell. I think could some could sum it up. Some people can eat M and M's and be fine, and they could eat three M and M's. They could eat a bag. Everybody's different, and I think that that's you know to kind of wrap it up. At least for my my end, I've tried a lot of different ways of eating. I've tried a lot of diets. I've tried to position this stuff and find ways for me to uh, kind of overcome my 
genetic shortcomings that I've got, uh, because genetics plays a big role in health too. Let's not forget that. Sure. Um, and I've tried to, to all this different stuff. None of, I could say that things worked because I lost weight at some point in the end, none of it worked because I've gained weight back every time. And I've never gone back to hitting that high, but I've come pretty darn close. Mm -hmm. Um, and at this point in my life, I'm frankly exhausted. I'm tired of worrying about it. I'm tired of thinking about it. Yeah. The amount of time that I have spent thinking, talking, I mean, it will be part of the podcast just because it's part of life, right? But I'm talking about excess time. I'm talking about sitting there paralyzed for an hour because I'm trying to talk myself out of eating something. Right. Um, That's got to stop. Like, it's just a giant waste. So where I'm at is I'm not going to define how I'm eating. I'm just going to eat the things that I know make me feel better and that have had positive impacts in the past on my health when I got my blood work back. Mm -hmm. I've spent three months since my last doctor's visit not doing enough of that. I've done some, but not enough of it. When I get my blood work uh, tomorrow, my guess is that it's not going to be great. Uh, But three three more months from now, I think it's going to be better. Not because I've decided to restrict myself to one thing or another, but because I've changed my perspective and my attitude um, on what we're going to do. And part of that is going to be eating not only what makes me feel good, but what helps fuel things like my runs and see how I feel. And if I need something else, I'll adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. Like, that's it. Right. And I, I love that you've kind of found a path that you can define a little bit, Mike, stronger than I have. Um, but I still feel that, like, if tomorrow somebody said to you, uh, hey, look, uh, like if your doctor said to you, hey, Dave, I, I think I think if you just added a chicken breast twice a week, I think you're going to I think you're going to see a big change in your health. I don't think that you'd be so arrogant as to say, no way. Yeah. Like you would at least consider it. And if it made a difference, you'd continue it. And if it didn't, you'd stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's, that's just it. Be open-minded, encourage people, but for everybody's sake, let's just stop telling each other how to eat. Yeah. So what, <laughs> let's what, <just> stop. <laughs> what I learned is I've been out of the fire service for three years. When I got out of the fire service, I weighed, 308 pounds, right? Within a year of leaving the fire service, I weighed 241 pounds. Now, three years out of the fire service, I'm back to 300 pounds. And it's because I didn't take care of anything during that time that led to the initial 308 pounds when I left the fire service. So I was hypertensive then, and um Slightly hypertensive. I guess you could say I'm pre-hypertensive now. So one of the things that I eliminated this year was salt. And I'm a salt addict, right? I spent 20 years as a chef. I season everything with salt. So it was one of the hardest things I've done. I don't buy like no salt beans or no salt food, but I do not add salt to anything that I eat. And I've 
going on a month and a half, and that was a huge change. So because of you and your recent medical stuff, I have not been to my cardiologist in two years, and I am going to my cardiologist um, in March. I have an appointment. And I wanted to go into this appointment, and I take my blood pressure three times a day now, twice in the morning and once at night. So if they tell me that I have to go on meds, I've at least, and I, I, I'm adamant that I don't want to be on medications, but at least I'm going into this appointment where I can say, here's the changes that I've made. Here's the effect of just eliminating salt from my diet. And it's pretty drastic that I've made. Let's take another step and see what I can do. And if in six months that doesn't work, then I'll go on the meds, right? So I want to use, let food be thy medicine. And that's where I'm at is I can go up and down, join Weight Watchers, any other diet program, give myself a title. But unless I change who I am and the habits that I have, none of this is going to work. And I can lose weight now, but a year from now, a year and a half from now, I'm going to be right back in the same place as I was when I left the fire service and I got down to 241 pounds. And here we sit right back in the same boat that I was why I left the fire department in the first place. I could have stayed in the fire department, been a train wreck, and made a much better salary and a pension than I'm getting now. You know what I mean? So for... Part of my influence, and if it's what I need, is Farica gave me that permission. Hey, it's okay for you to walk away from it because your life is much more important to me than your job title. So I need to make the most of who I am for her, for Braden, and most importantly for me. That's great. Well, I'm glad you're going to the doctor. I mean, it's tough for a lot of us to pull that trigger. And I, I can tell you, I've put off this round of blood work till the very, very last day that I can get it done and yeah. still be in kind of compliance, right? Because I think that the I'm going to be told uh, you need to be on these other medications too. And I, you know, I haven't made the changes mm-hmm. that I need to make fully. I've, I've, kind of half-assed it yeah and i i need a whole asset (laughs) yeah i i'm way on my way like it's just there it's in in it's inevitable if i'm saying that right that if i don't change all those things that i don't want to be i'm going to become and right medication is not a bad thing but if i can make those changes before i get there then I, that's the crossroads that I'm at right now where it's put up or shut up, right? And in October, we're going to have a much different podcast of Dave is all talk. Look at all the meds he's on now because he just didn't do what he, he set out to do. Well, my guess, honestly, my guess is that if you don't make some of these changes, you don't make it to the start line in Chicago because – you're you're gonna feel like crap, and you're not gonna be able to do the things that you need to do. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the the medications are only there to to kind of help a condition. It doesn't change how you feel necessarily. 
if you don't make other kind of commitment commitments to change other pieces and it all comes down to habit and i I mean i know we're going to stand there on october 9th and we're going to be happy and healthy and moving forward if we do the things that we're capable of a hundred percent if we have to have another podcast where we're talking about all things (laughs) we we don't do right like nobody wants to hear it for one i don't want to hear it uh, but this is, you know, kind of a, a reality check has been coming for me for quite a while that that doctor's appointment three months ago definitely was the first iteration of it. And now I'm at that second, mm-hmm. that second piece. And now the onus is on me. Yeah. And, and, I, and I want to do it. Yeah. I, I think what's the most com- the most comments I get about our show is that we're two middle aged men who are having an open conversation about this stuff and I think that that's the key and what's important that you and I are able to sit down openly be honest uh, about all the stuff that we're going through and the and the changes and the reality of where we're at and I think the battle that you and I are facing are as similar as they are different but, but because we I'm reading this book the uh, blue zones Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, about the cultures that have the most centurions. And I think the key to what I'm taking out of that is the smallest part of their longevity and health is not about the food. It's about the community, the environment, the activity, the um, there's a word. I'm going to draw a blank on the word. And if I went upstairs. Uh, I'll find it for next week. It's the small group of three or four people in their lives that they have their entire life that they can build upon and that they can be open and honest with. And I think that that part of it for us is the key to this journey is that you're not alone. I'm not alone. Who's ever out there of the 12 people who listen to you and I ramble, you know, about this realizes that they're not alone, that, there's a lot of people in the same boat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it is a big deal that to have that. I don't know what they call it in that book. I, it's been a long time since I read it, but that trusted circle of mm-hmm. people that you can you can lean on. It's difficult, and in this day and age, um, you know, we've gone so many years of you know me, you know hide your feelings, and men don't really talk to each other about this stuff. It's shifting. It, it's it's it definitely is shifting. And, you know, as much as I denigrate social media, I don't, I don't know Rob, I don't know you, I don't know Kevin, some of the, you know, Larry, these, these, uh, you guys who have become confidants for me, uh, I don't have you without, without social, Mm -hmm. you know, so as bad as I think it can be it all, that's the good part of it too, right? It opens up your world. Um, but it may have been at the expense of having those friendships in person. Cause I, I mean, I have friends here, but not, not like that as much, um, you know, but it's starting to change. It's starting to shift, you know, with a couple of the guys here, you know, we're starting to talk more. Um, but it's, uh, it's important. You got to find those people and it can't just be your spouse or partner. Uh, you got to have other people that you can go to and talk through some stuff like you said, openly, honestly, and be, and you've got to, 
you've got to listen. And that's the other piece of it. I mean, obviously, it's a podcast. Got to talk a lot. Mm -hmm. In day-to-day life, though, I'm listening more than I ever have. Two two ears, one mouth. Yeah. It's a a decent ratio to think about. Um, So keep it up, man. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate this talk. Appreciate all the feedback we've gotten from people. Um, you know, feel free to throw in a review if, if it's so, uh, if, if you want, uh, if one star, five stars, it's all good. We're pretty thick skinned. You guys are nuts. Five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but anyway, if you think it could help somebody pass it on, if you want it to be your dirty secret, you don't want to admit the, that you're listening. You know, we get that too. Yeah. You know, totally get it. So that good discussion, man. I yeah, it was fun. It. Thanks, thanks for uh, you know Derek, uh, one of our listen- listeners. Uh, he said that you know what's there to say? You know much about food, but I'll fi- you'll figure out how to fill the time. Well, we filled about an hour and twenty minutes, I think. Uh, yeah. Of it, so, um, and hopefully, we answered good. Penny's question. Yeah, I think to a point we did. I think it's tough for us to talk about just specific ways of eating we've tried because I think that they're often couched within this diet culture. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, tried it all. I mean, in the end, I haven't tried vegan. I, I wouldn't even know how to do it. So I, I don't have any desire. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not in my culture. However, I will say this. I do believe that I need to, I've probably doubled my vegetable intake and I think I need to double it again. Yeah. Right? And, and it's about ratio at that point, more vegetables for me, I feel better. Yeah. That's bottom line. And that's the key right there. Is you feel better. Right. All right, brother. Anything else from you this week before we wrap her up? No, I'm good. I think this was great. Um, I did get a, uh, um, I won't mention her name, but someone did make a uh, donation to the team and training uh, fundraiser that I'm doing. And it, it kind of, I didn't think anyone would. And it just blows my mind anytime someone uh, supports the cause and, uh, you know who you are and it's, uh, very appreciative and every dollar matters. And I just think it was awesome and a special shout out and thank you. That's great. And if anybody else has, uh, a couple of bucks, they want to throw into that fundraiser. The link is always in the show notes. Um, and it's just such a great cause. So love it. I love that somebody donated. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. Make it, doing good in the world. All right, well, let's wrap it up. You've been listening to episode 131 of the Fat Man Chronicles. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. Everyone, be yourself and get out there and be better today. I was not hiding. I was unsure. And I was real